Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Hyundai Homeschooling the Kids. Today, we are going to give a shout-out to a patron. Today's shout-out goes to Emily. Thank you for all your support, Emily. By becoming a patron, you help support the show. If you want to become a patron yourself, you can go to patreon.com slash Homeschooling the Kids. Now, let's get right into the intro. Who did you interview in this episode? I interviewed Jean-Marie Penel. And why did you interview Jean-Marie Penel? <laughs> Good job. Nice try. <laughs> Um, I wanted to interview Jean-Marie because I have been running a series that talks about different homeschooling styles. We've already talked about Charlotte Mason as well as the classical homeschooling method. And next up on my list is Montessori. I know quite a few families that attend Montessori school or their kids attend Montessori school or they implement the Montessori method at home in their homeschooling. And I knew there were quite a few parents that were interested in learning more. And Jean-Marie Penel is a wonderful parent educator and Montessori trained educator as well. And I felt that she would have extensive knowledge and information for me uh, so I could learn more as well on Montessori. Sounds interesting. Is there anything else we'd like to talk about? Yeah, I just wanted to say a few things that we did really talk about. The big themes in this episode, trust, trusting ourselves and our children and how that is so important to the foundation in learning. We also talked about who Maria Montessori was and what really guided her career in supporting kids and the Montessori education. Uh, different Montessori terms that you might hear and what they what it's really based on, as well as child development. And I had to ask Jean-Marie's uh, opinion and observations on screen time, because I know she has very strong opinions on that as well. So we had a good discuss- discussion on that. If you'd like to learn more about Jean-Marie or get in contact with her, you can find her on her website, yourparentingmentor.com. She's also part of a Montessori Homeschool Summit coming up, which starts October 5th. And I will have the link if you're interested in that. I will include that link in the show notes. All right. Well, you stole my thing, but it's okay. (laughs) You can can still say it. Okay. And don't forget to check out my mom on Instagram, Facebook, and her website at Hanyam Homeschooling the Kids. Now, enjoy the episode. (laughs) Welcome to Hanyam Homeschooling the Kids. And today my guest is Jean-Marie Penel. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Jean-Marie. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Jean-Marie is a Master's of Education, and she is a parenting mentor and home consultant that who helps parents to let go of the overwhelm so they can enjoy raising self-sufficient and resilient children with ease. Host of the Art of Parenting podcast and founder of Your Parenting Mentor, where she guides expectant parents, caregivers, and parents of young children on how to better prepare their homes and themselves for their children to thrive during the first years of life. She believes that a supportive and peaceful atmosphere at home will allow every child to grow as an independent, confident, and capable learner. She combines her three passions, Montessori, conscious parenting, and positive discipline. Her mission is to help parents appreciate the true importance of their role, not as servants or teachers, but as supporters and guides of their children's natural development. Thank you very much for joining me today. You are a mother yourself as well, right? I am. I am a mother of actually two young adults now. I just, my 
baby just turned 20. So, (laughs) so yes, I'm a mother of older children, let's say. (laughs) Okay. So you've gone through the the process of bringing them up from infants to adulthood. Have you always been a parenting mentor from the moment that you were a parent and a Montessori educator? Or how did that start? How what, what uh, was the order? Yeah, well, actually, no. I first became a mother. And when I first became a mother, so 24 years ago, I was living in Paris, uh, working actually in an advertising agency, um, picked up a book called L'Enfant, which is, I think in English, The Discovery of Childhood or The Secret of Childhood from Maria Montessori. And that was kind of my first awareness of Montessori. I mean, my my little brother, who's 12 years younger, had gone to a Montessori school. So, So it's something that I knew existed. But it's a book that, to me, really help me with this whole process of parenting, which is really trusting ourselves Mm -hmm. and trusting our children. And that children come to us with this, you know, really powerful energy to want to learn, to want to adapt. And we are here to really you know, make sure that that happens in the best possible way. And so my daughter, you know, who's who's now 24 years old, really was my guide into becoming a parent. Um, and it is not until actually my second born was about four years old that I decided to leave advertising and go back to school to get my master's in Montessori education. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Very, yes. and, and it seems like a bit of a, from advertising to Montessori education, a, a different world, right? <laughs> Completely different. <laughs> and it's funny, I tell people that, you know, once, and here I was, you know, an older parent, I had my child at 35. So my second, I was, when I went back to school, I was 43 and you know, entered the classroom. And I thought, like, what have I done? Because here (laughs) I had been, you know, a manager in a, in a little firm, and I could, you know, go in my office, close the door when, when I had too much. And here I was with 25 little human beings, and there is no getting away. It's like, you have to, (laughs) you have to be there. But it was um, really no regrets whatsoever. I think I really, found my calling at this time in my life of really, I had gone through, we were we were contemplating moving back to Europe. I was living on the West Coast in California and, and really kind of had to reassess what I was doing with my life and how I wanted to uh, give back and, and really fill, I think, a void. And, and working with children has always been something that I was passionate about, that I had done since a young child myself. And um, so it was really the, the best thing is to follow that, you know, calling of wanting to work with children. Mm, okay. So did you find that then it really supported you as a parent, bringing the tools that you were learning from Montessori education and maybe even also applying in the classroom, you bring it into your home or vice versa? Uh, definitely. No, the, the, the tools that I learned um, in my Montessori training were, were very powerful. But what I also realized, which to me was, was just very revealing, is that I had 
done a pretty good job. Like I had really followed that that intuition and I had really followed my child because when we were started to to, you know, in the lectures and the Montessori training, I was like, oh yeah, okay. I, I really did that. Or, you know, there were definitely details that I, I missed out on, but there was that general idea of following the child, of really f- trusting that they know what they need to learn and that mm. we are really there to to help them uh, learn. And that's why, you know, for me, homeschooling is so beautiful in that sense where we're really following their lead. I mean, for for the most part, I think, you know, depending probably on the curriculum you're following and such. But what I'm seeing with my friends who today have younger children who are homeschooling, it really is about trusting what the children are wanting to learn. Yes, I 100% agree. And actually, the one thing that just came up for me when you're saying this as well, you had said it's not just trusting our children, but trusting ourselves. And it's interesting that in that path, in that journey, really becoming a Montessori educator sounds to me like you had really begun to trust yourself. Completely. And with that, it all fell into line. Yeah, Yeah. it was was kind of one of these out-of-body experience almost, because it was was something that, you know, was in the back of my mind for a while. And then I finally picked up the phone and called the the Montessori Institute in San Diego. And and it really all happened within 24 hours where, where you know, I quit my job and went back to school because <laughs> they had started the, the session. And, and there was, if I wanted to do it, it was kind of a now or never type of situation or, you know, not never, but I would have to wait another year. And and I just went for it. It was just like, yes, this is what I meant to do. And mm. and I've never looked back. And it's been a wonderful, um, wonderful journey. And I've, you know, really, my mission is to really share what I learned in that training. And since then, because, you know, I've, I've gone back into positive discipline and, and all sorts of other things that have given me more tools. And to me, it's just kind of all of this information that I just wish we gave parents that we that we really shared with with you know adults who are about to become parents because i think that if we had those tools to really follow that intuition to trust ourselves to trust our children oh my gosh we would be in a much much better place on this planet uh you know if if we had that information beforehand yes yeah that's right we grown grown with that absolutely mhm mm-hmm. So as we're talking about sharing this knowledge, um, I would like to talk a little bit more about Montessori as well, for those who might not be familiar with Maria Montessori or the Montessori method. And I really wanted you to come on because I've actually followed you for a while, and I think that you would be a great person to speak to it and and to um, kind of teach us a little bit more about the background and what it is and what why it appeals to you. So uh, who is, who was Maria Montessori? So Maria Montessori was an Italian uh, doctor, actually one of the first women in Europe to be allowed to go to medical school. And we just celebrated her 150th uh, birthday, the 30th of wow. August. Yes. Uh, 31st of August, excuse me. And uh, so for me, I, I, you know, I 
to me, she was a genius before her time. She was this woman who, an, an only child, uh, you know, of course, she was told to not go to medical school and such, but she was really determined. These were things that she wanted to do. So kind of a feminist before her time, a really a, a, a woman who just had a calling and really, you know, trusted herself and 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 kept at it. And, and I think she had the support of her mother. But, um, and so she studied medicine, uh, which was really hard in a, you know, male dominated industry where she had to do her, her kind of, uh, the, the gruesome work of, of working on cadavers alone at night because the men didn't want to be in the same room as her. I mean, kind of just these horrible things. But anyways, through this scientific uh, education that she had, she then went on to work with children and first work with children in a psychiatric ward. And these were children that were, you know, left to their own devices and kind of, you know, said to be useless and such. And she really worked with them and uh, worked also with her contemporaries, um, Edouard Seguin and Ita, who had worked with children who needed help to develop language and such, and developed a lot of manipulatives really to help these children become proficient in, in communicating and such. And and it was revealed that these children were very capable because somebody was paying attention to them and really mm -hmm. helping them develop their brain. And so from there, it really was this awakening of if this is possible with these so-called, you know, useless children, what would it what would it be like to work with, you know, quote unquote, no normal children? And, you know, she went on to, to study all sorts of uh, things, the psychology, anthropology and such. But at one point in 1907, she was, she opened the first Montessori school, which we called the Children's House. And a lot of Montessori schools today, we call them either the Casa or Children's House. And it was from that time where she had been asked by a developer, basically, to do something about these children, because here was this new, um, these new buildings for working parents. So both parents were working outside the home, and children were kind of left on their own. And she gathered these young children, and these were between, you know, three and, and five-year-olds, and gave them a place to be children and to explore what they wanted to learn. And this was revealed to the world of this new form of education and this new method, which was uh, labeled the Montessori method, which today I have to say has never been copyrighted. So there are many uh, within our community, we say Montessori schools, and then there's a lot of Montessomething schools. So I always mm -hmm. say, if you do want to, you know, have the, the authentic Montessori, do, do your homework a little bit. But basically, it is a, a method of, for me, more than just education. It's really what we call an aid to life. It's really about understanding human development, understanding what our children need from the time of conception all the way through 18 years of age. So all the way until 
university studies. And Montessori schools um, or, or communities can start as early as eight weeks and do go on until 18 years of age. So there are, um, you know, communities for all, all the different ages. One of the things I think that sets it apart from more traditional school is the fact that it is child-led. It is not uh, following an adult's agenda as to what the child needs to learn. It is really about following children, trusting that children come to us with this thirst to learn, with this immense curiosity to learn, and that we are there to facilitate that. So the, the Montessori environments are set up to um, provide that for children. It's what we call a prepared environment. And that's what the work that I do in the homes is preparing that environment uh, for children as well. And children, when they are choosing themselves what they want to work on, they are happy, they're content, they're focused, they're generous, they're kind. So they're, they're, they're at peace with themselves. And it's not this, you know, chaotic environment that we often think of as, you know, classrooms, because mm-hmm. they're, they're among uh, mixed ages, too. That's one of the, the, the big, um, beautiful thing of Montessori is that we have them for about three years in the classroom. So you really have that evolution. And then the older children can help the younger children, the younger children, you know, are, are looking up to the things that they're, they're going to be able to do. Um, the other thing that sets it apart is this notion of the freedom of movement. We tend to require our young children to sit still, which is unfortunately pure torture for children who are <laughs> in perpetual motion, right? So yeah. she understood that. And and it's, you know, it's interesting in the training how we're taught to really use movement when we give lessons, like sit as far away from the material so that you're you're actually using movement for the child during a lesson, for example. Okay. Um, and children, you know, can walk around and observe and and so forth. And it is an environment that we call freedom within limits. So it's not a free-for-all. It is still uh, an environment that has boundaries where children know what those boundaries are knows what the the kind of the rules are um and and it's just it's just a beautiful um experience to to be with children in that setting okay okay uh, you know i actually never realized that had never been copyrighted so that does explain to me why there does seem to be differences in cuz i know there is a uh, I think international Montessori, American Montessori, you know, sometimes I hear of differences when there is a, a school started that's a Montessori school and how it's incorporated, um, why yes. it might might vary. Yes, there is the, the Association Montessori International, which is AMI, which is um, the headquarters or in Amsterdam. That is the association that she, uh, Dr. Montessori, and her son, Mario Montessori, started in 1929. So that to me is like the, the foundation. And then from there, like you say, there is AMS, American Montessori Society, you know, every country seems to have their own uh, thing. But 
for me, that is that the authentic is really going back to uh, Association Montessori International, which is still uh, still run by some of the members of her family. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Passed down. Okay. Mm-hmm. So could you maybe also explain a little bit about the differences? Like, Because I hear child-led, trusting children, um, freedom of movement, a lot of freedom and autonomy, you know, as well, uh, choice, learning with their development, uh, supporting their development. How does that differ from other practices that are also child-led and have similarities like, um, I think of, uh, let me see, like Waldorf or Reggio Emilia or other practices like that? So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not an expert in the in the other ones. The the ones like Waldorf, the Steiner uh, method started around the same period. That is copyrighted. So when you start a Waldorf school, there is you know certain elements that you need to abide by. I I feel that there are some similarities in. For one, the Waldorf environments, when I visited school, is just the beauty of the environment. It's just Mm -hmm. really this emphasis on the environment that is just uh, gorgeous. So the two things that I I have noticed to be very uh, different between Waldorf and Montessori, for example, is for one, Montessori believes that the first six years should be really very concrete information. So we try to avoid any type of of fantasy. So any type of, uh, for example, animals that are uh, dressed in, in, you know, human clothes or animals that are playing an instrument or things like that, where we're really wanting to show and, and give really concrete information to the child because... Uh, it is believed that the child before six has a hard time telling the difference between the real and the fantasy. So we just focus on giving them, you know, real information. Wardolf seems to be very fantasy based in there in the way that they explain things. It's you know there's always fairies and gnomes and and such. So th- those to me was was something that was revealed to me like when I when I visited the schools and then the other thing about Waldorf is they do not uh, start the whole kind of academic um, aspect of education such as learning to read until the child is seven Mm -hmm. and Montessori follows the child so if a three-year-old is starting to be interested in the symbols of the written language who am I to stop them right? Who mm-hmm. am I to, so I follow their lead. And, and I've, you know, I had it in my classroom where I had five-year-olds who were reading perfectly. So it's, it, to, to me, it's just, uh, that is a difference of, again, kind of this notion of really following their lead. So if a child is, is showing interest in something, I'm going to, you know, give them as much information to, to feed that curiosity. Uh, so that was to me the, the big difference. And then Reggio, from what I understand, is really only early childhood education and very much based in projects and creativity. And I have visited actually a beautiful school where they blended Reggio and Montessori together. Mm-hmm. 
and it was gorgeous. Both both teachers were trained in their um, in their discipline, and they worked very well together. So. Okay. Okay. Thank you. No, I, I mm-hmm. see, I see those differences as well. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. and then maybe as well, if that's something that you can also talk about, because I mean, this is also my limited experience too. And I think you could maybe give some clarification on this. Um, a lot of, uh, for me, when I am, uh, I've seen many Montessori schools or practices, it seems to be geared to a younger age group. Uh, maybe even eight and younger or seven and younger. Uh, how I do know that it does flow all the way through to adult years, but why do we see more of a younger age group that it's geared to instead of um, focusing all the way through? Well, I think it's probably going to depend on the the countries, but I know, for example, you know, my experience is in the, in the United States and the U.S. has no universal um, preschool. So, you know, for example, in France, the children can start going to school as, as early as two. And right. it's and, and it's public education. In, in the States, it's, it's you know, only, uh, I think you have to be six or five or six. So there was a need to fill. And, and uh, you know, the preschool uh, movement was Montessori kind of filled that gap, but it does go through. And, and like I said, it can al- also start as early as eight weeks where it was developed what we call the Nido, which is um, the nest in Italian, which was really created for families where both parents needed to work outside the home. Uh, you know, preferably, of course, you know, you you would want to keep your child home that first year and a half. But if you can't, then the Montessori Nido is a wonderful uh, place. And then there is the toddler environment, which is the Nido was eight weeks until they were walking. Then you have the toddler environment or uh, young children's communities, often called is the child who is starting to walk until about two and a half or three when they go to the casa, which is that preschool, uh, kindergarten years. And so those are where I worked and where I had children from about two and a half to six years, um, six years old. And there they would go into first grade uh, in, in a traditional school the school that I worked at did not yet have an elementary program, but otherwise they would flow into what we call a lower elementary, which is the six to nine, then upper elementary, nine to 12, and then what we call the adolescent program, uh, 12 to 18. And so for me there, it's, you know, it's um, probably a political reason right, of, yeah. of, you know, of not wanting to to do that. And, you know, I've often said, and this is, you know, the feminist in me, but I've often say if Maria Montessori had been a man, I think our education would look very different today. Right. Yeah. You no. Know? And I think that that, that um, I would love to see more countries adopt uh, Montessori principles in their schools. And, and there are more and more public Montessori's mm-hmm. uh, schools, which, which I'm loving to see that are, are, you know, really starting to put those um, methods uh, to, you know, to help children and families. Yeah, yeah. I think here in Canada, that's the same we have for our public education system. It's age 
um, really age six. You can start at age five for kindergarten, but before that, it's usually a paid either junior kindergarten or preschool or daycare uh, that's not part of the public system. So that would probably as well be why I see more early years Montessori than a program that's all the way through. And if exactly. it was, it would be yeah, a private school, or maybe there is a public school about an hour and a half from us that I think it's elementary and it's Montessori, uh, Montessori public school. Yeah. And, and the, the environments that do, like the schools who have really jumped in, you know, there are some beautiful environments that actually, you know, do parent education. So the prenatal education all the way through uh, the adolescent program. And those mm-hmm. are just, you know, gorgeous communities because, the adolescent program too, the beauty in that is that she had um, realized and understood that the adolescent really needed to get away from the home. So mm. it was about, it was about, you know, living on a farm and working the land and understanding what it is to create a community and so forth. So it's just very uh, beautiful some of these schools where they are, you know, on on a land where they can be together. And, and you know, we know that adolescents would rather hang out with each other than with mm-hmm. the parents. So it's, it's perfect, you know. So it's just trusting the need and the, the different um, what she called planes of development. There, there are different planes of that are six years um, and, and, and the children have different needs during those times. Okay. The planes of development are divided into six different planes? So, or? so there's, four, there's four planes and there's basically uh, six years. It's kind of like peaks and valleys. So, so imagine like four peaks and it's three years to kind of uh, develop and, and kind of transform. And then the, the next three years are really kind of refining all of the things that you've learned. And when you and I can send you the, the kind of a graphic that I've done, but it's really interesting in how the first uh, three years of life, as we know, are, are huge. Like there's they're a huge development. And then three to six is really refining all of that, refining movement, refining language, and so forth. And then six to nine is kind of a a mellower time when there's not so much activity. And then again, adolescence is we're going to have these, you know, burst of, of transformation and all of this, and then again, refining. So it's, it's really these peaks and valleys that she calls rebirths and, and that we refer to as the four planes of development. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. If you could send that. Sure. Graphic, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that does. I, I think of my own children and how I have seen, yeah, seen those peaks and valleys so far. So far, so my mm-hmm. oldest is fourteen. Yeah, so you, I absolutely. And, and to me, and and it's beautiful because in that in that visual, like if you, you can almost see the parallel between toddlerhood and adolescence, mm. toddlerhood and teenagehood. It's yes. really that same thing that they're telling us is let me do it let me figure it out so yes the teenager has you know a better vocabulary and and will tell you you know loud and clear let me figure it out but it's the same thing and we need again to be respectful of those needs and to really you know sure have our boundaries but you know as i was saying it's it's freedom within limits right okay okay 
So how are we, if we are taking that into homeschool, for example, and I know there are many more Montessori homeschoolers now, and especially with our surge of homeschoolers at this present moment <laughs> that has really grown, how, you know, I'm, I'm hearing you and thinking that really having the trust is the foundation. And yes. I think we can do that wherever, you know, wherever our child is learning, really building that foundation of trust is integral in the home, whether they, no matter how old they are. Yes. Um, but when we're taking Montessori and I, then I, the free age, you know, age mixing, um, having the, you know, that environment as well, how you explained um, freedom of movement, uh, and maybe there's certain things that are done. I, I know there's a lot of manipulatives and hands-on uh, learning and creations. How do we take that and apply it in a homeschooling environment? So for me, this is going to be, there's probably going to be very, you know, different levels because those, um, you know, for example, I have friends who are Montessori trained who have decided to leave the classroom and homeschool their own children. Well, they have the training, they know the material, they probably have access to some of the material, they know how to give lessons and everything. So that's going to look very different to the family who maybe has no training, but is intrigued by how Montessori teaches mathematics, for example, with a lot of manipulatives, or how we teach uh, the written language with sandpaper letters and things like that. So, um, it you know, I think with your level of, of maybe expertise and support, it's going to look very different. For me, though, the Montessori principles, the, this notion of, you know, like, like you said, of trusting the child and setting up an environment for them to be independent, to be able to do things for themselves, I think can be applied to any type of curriculum that you're going to to use as well, right? So it's about really that whole idea of of trusting the child and kind of following their interest and and being able to be their advocate and curiosity of not, you know, finding the answers for them, but really uh and you know, answering their their questions with with a question of like, oh wow, I wonder how. Let's let's investigate. Where do you think we could find this out? So it's really this whole idea of of you know exchange and really being able to to help them be these lifelong learners and to be these lifelong you know curious people who are going to always want to investigate as opposed to, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, let me ask Siri and, and give the answer right away. <laughs> like we really need to help our children kind of investigate for themselves. Um, so that to me, you know, it, it would be an aspect of it. But otherwise, there are, you know, many new programs now where you can get kind of a Montessori curriculum to follow along uh, with uh, support on on how to give the lessons um, and things like that. So I think it's it's an it's a matter of finding kind of your community to be able to um, offer Montessori education for your children at home. Okay, okay. Uh, Does so that make sense? No Yep, absolutely. That does. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking there is no, um, 
you know, I'm also thinking of anyone who is hearing and thinking, oh, this sounds really interesting. Is there a suggested step that I should do if my child is six and I'm interested in exploring this more this year? Should I start with this? Should I start with um, these materials? Uh, I think probably maybe the best way to ask you as well as if you were coming into the home, because you do a lot of parenting coaching in the home as well, where you're coming into a family's home and helping them get uh, set up, uh, not, not even necessarily for Montessori, but even for mindful parenting around that and, and exactly. helping to understand trusting your child and how we can best support them. Um, what what would you do? Say if I said, you know, Jean-Marie, could you come in and say my kids were four and six years old and you come into our home environment, what would be some things that you would look around and say, you know what, maybe we could do this or adjust this? So for one, um, and this is a, a big principle in Montessori is this notion of observing, of really being ourselves as parents, as educators, being uh, what Dr. Montessori called scientific observers. So observing our children without any uh, preconceived ideas, without any expectations, without any judgment, really observing what they're doing, where they're interested in, and, and then being able to think of how can I guide them to, to better understand a certain uh, topic. So one of the things that I do when I go into the home, and, and I'm missing actually going into the home with this whole yeah. COVID nonsense, but yeah. <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of virtual, you know, home consultations, which mm-hmm. is which is different for me. But oftentimes when I go into a home, I, you know, I give parents fair warning that I'm just going to need to observe for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And I just really, and I say, please go about your, you know, your day-to-day life as if I wasn't there. And and I just, you know, want to take some notes. And so basically, I'm just looking at, you know, if the child is constantly asking for something, if the child is maybe not able to do things for themselves. And and this can be as simple as getting a glass of water. And I have seen this, you know, in my observations of, of you know, children interrupting us because they were thirsty. And, you know, you and I know a, a five-year-old is going to, you know, take a sip and then go on and then come back and go on. And there it was just a matter of, you know, let's take some glasses down to his level so he can go to the water cooler and pour himself a glass of water. I mean, it, it was, it seemed obvious, but it wasn't thought through for the child. Mm. So we, that's why I say we do not need to be our children's servants, right? We're not there to just always be at their beck and call. We need to be there to observe and set up the environment so that they can do things for themselves, because that's really what they're asking for as well. So that would be, you know, what I would, I would, observe and then really you know kind of ask the parents like what what are they interested in what have their what has there been their curiosity and you know sometimes a parent will say oh my goodness my child you know they're just obsessed with these trucks and they're just all they want to do is play with these trucks and i say well that's great there's plenty of language that you can give around the trucks, the parts of the trucks, the types of different trucks of going and seeing trucks. I mean, there's, so it's really about, again, feeding that curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever their interest is, is how can you bring in mathematics into it? How can you bring in language into it? Uh, How can you bring art into it? 
all of that because they all of these different disciplines kind of blend in together. And that to me is what, you know, holistic education is all about is being able to merge everything together. Right. It's a circle. Exactly. There's no, there's not gaps. You're trying to draw the circle with big amount of gaps in between. It's a continuous loop, a continuous Mm -hmm. circle. Mm -hmm. And it's really about, you know, like uh, she, Maria Montessori says to, to, to seduce the child, like to, to really bring them into, um, so for example, you know, the, 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 the child who's obsessed with trucks, let's say, the, the parent is worried that they're not, um, you know, they're not interested in other things and they're not maybe, you know, doing enough math or whatever. So let's bring in the math concepts or word problems using trucks, using, you know, uh, wheels or parts or, or, or whatever. So it's really, again, it's about using what they're interested in and, and helping them develop new skills around that interest. Right, right. Yes. And, and again, it, it's that um, practice of expanding, as for a parent, expanding their understanding and supporting their curiosity, like you said. Yeah. To me, it's just beautiful experience because we get to relearn a lot of things. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, we get to go, oh, wait a minute. I'm not sure I know that. Let me let me <laughs> figure it out, right? And, and even for me, for parents, I always say, you know, if there's something that you want to show your child, like make sure to practice first so that you're confident in what you're showing the child as well. Mm, right, right. That's right. Okay. So then something like mindful parenting, and Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit more about how you fit that with Montessori, how that was a really good blend and support for each other, and how that also fits into your support for parents in the work you do? Well, to me, it's it's really about, um, Montessori talks a lot about the spiritual preparation of the adult. So for us as adults to be in the presence of children, we need to really be um, really kind of, yeah, spiritually uh, prepared in a sense of really accepting them for who they are. So really seeing the child as a new child each and every day, not to hold any grudge or hold, you know, any apprehension or judgment on them is to really be in the present moment like they are. Children teach us that, right? And so conscious parenting or mindful parenting is really that same concept of really not wanting to uh, you know, have a mini me, but really being there for the adult in the making that your child is becoming. And that mm. to me is what mindful parenting is about, is really being mindful that the way that we react, the way that we unconsciously judge uh, our children can, can, you know, have effects on them. So to be extremely mindful, to be really in that present moment with them, to hold space for them here and now, and not to be worried of, you know, if they're going to, what they're going to become, if they're going to be homeless, if this and that, you know, I actually just was meeting with a friend uh, earlier today, actually a friend from my advertising days, and she has a 20-year-old and a 22-year-old. 
and you know worries about them and i was like you've you've done your job like you've got to trust that they are you know they're 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 good they have a good foundation so it's the same thing for me it's really being mindful to not project our own um, anxiety on them and to to do the work also on our own uh, childhood to really be mindful of, you know, maybe some of the scars that we have from our own childhood and not to repeat those and to to be aware of those. So that's mm-hmm. that's how really that, you know, that blends in with and, and to me, it just goes so well, you know, hand in hand with Montessori in that um, that whole concept of being, you know, when she says spiritually prepared, meaning that we really have to do a work on ourselves to be there fully present for each of those children that, you know, we are caring for. I've never heard it said, the spiritual preparation of the adult. That's yes. a great way to put it. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. It is. I've never yeah. actually really heard it put that way, but it's so true. And it's not really in a religious sense. It's Not at in, all. No, no. It's in a very whole, um, really coming from within, the true yes. soul of the person. Exactly. And to me, you know, to me, I always say it's a the spiritual preparation to be in the presence of the divine, because to mm-hmm. me, children are divine little beings. They they come to us so pure, so full of joy, just, you know, happy in the present moment. So, uh, you know, be like they're so excited about, you know, the, the seeing a bird for the first time. Everything to me is just so precious. So it's how can we really nurture that and 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 keep that joy of that the young child has um, going for for as long as we possibly can. Mm. You know, it's it's not easy though, right? Because because you know, I was going to ask you, well, how do we how do we become a more conscious parent? What do we do when we judge ourselves, and it seems like everyone else around us incessantly, and everything in you know so much in our environment is placed on judging, you know, really enforcing that as well. How do we move past that? I know you had said definitely go back into our childhood and reflect on that, and how it then in our present. Uh, kind of influences or directs many of our choices and thoughts in the present. Are there other things uh, we can do as well? Be- because we're surrounded yeah, a lot by we are, judgment. We are. We, we are. We're constantly um, surrounded. And I know for myself personally, I need to completely detox every once in a while. Like this summer, mm. I, you know, for five weeks, I took all of the social media off of my phone. Uh, there was nothing. <laughs> and, mm. uh, you know, I used it as a, as a camera and to to text my family and that's it because we are constantly looking at what others are doing and comparing ourselves and, and, and feeling judged and judging ourselves and such. So this is, you know, this is a lifelong work, I think, that we, that we do. What has helped me personally is um, meditation, is really this notion of learning. And it, and it, takes, it takes practice. It's not easy, but learning to really quiet the mind, quiet that monkey mind that is constantly telling us what to do or what we should do or could do or, or the, you know, the shoulda, woulda, coulda uh, thing of really quieting and, and just really tuning into that inner 
inner knowing that 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 we have in childhood. So it's it's really almost asking ourselves like, well, what would you do? What, you know, and really asking for you know, having good questions, it's it's really the the quality of the questions are going to be important. And then really quieting so that you can hear, because I think that that's the issue today is that we don't take time to listen. We are constantly going, 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 doing, 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 and not taking that pause to go, hmm, I wonder what. Hmm. And, and also, you know, for me, it's also a matter of asking our children they know they yes. know what they need and and i think we oftentimes because we have this notion that you know we're an adult so we know better but <laughs> oftentimes we don't and, <laughs> and you know and i'm sorry to all the parents listening but it's like you know ask your child like what do you need how can i help you know i i i remember i have a uh sharing this i i remember very well my son was in uh, middle school, kind of having little difficulties in school. And, and, you know, I, you know, this, I know we talked offline. I am, I never homeschooled my children. I, I, I praise those who do. And, but I never did. But I remember he was, he was having trouble in school. And I just said, well, what do you need? How can I help? And basically he said, I need you to remind me to do my homework. Hmm. Like, because I was, I was kind of this parent of, I had, you know, I don't like homework. I think it's, it's despicable, and I wish they didn't have homework in schools. <laughs> like it just, it's oh, just come on, be me, more honest. How you feel about homework? <laughs> despicable. It's just to me, it's like a, it's a, it's a. I don't know. I mean, it, it's it, it's a whole episode, but it's really this notion that we're teaching our children to take work home. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's mm-hmm. no separation between uh, work and family life. And children are in school for long hours and then they come home and they still have more work. So they're not interacting with their families. They're not helping with uh, things around the house and such. And so this, you know, when I asked my son, he he just needed more uh, support around being reminded and putting a plan together. Like I had entrusted him to figure it out and he was not that type because his sister was and his sister never ever needed to be reminded to do homework or anything. So I kind of thought, oh, well, that's, you know, that's how you do it. But no, he's different from his sister and he needed that extra support. So that's what I mean about ask them, what Mm. is it that you need? How can I help you? How can I be of support? Mm, Yeah. Again, trusting them and letting them take more of the lead. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And again, for us, letting go, (laughs) which is our continuous practice. (laughs) Oh, Robin, you said it. It's it's letting go. You know, we think we need to control everything, and and there's nothing to control. It's really about you know, you know, and I'll say it again and again, but it's really trusting the process, trusting ourselves and our children that you know they'll, they'll, we'll all get through this together. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. I know it's my continuous practice, (laughs) my lifelong practice. Uh, You you know, I think you you feel like the more you can control, then I I guess creating that false safety net in in Mm -hmm, many ways, mm -hmm. but the letting, but then how much more you see things in their flow, in their natural flow when you do let go. 
Exactly. But exactly. it is a continuous practice for me. <laughs> I know that for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's also interesting and, and, um, because you had brought up the detox and I, I agree. I, you know, sometimes there are times where I, I just, for the weekend it's off and whether just for text messages from my family or something like that, but otherwise it's, you know, it's a vacation, a a screen or social media or whatever vacation. Um, what are your, cause you know, I've, I've had different viewpoints on the show and I know of different viewpoints and on screen time. And, um, you know, some feel that screen time is a tool that is important for a modern day and that kids should be, you know, have a lot of access to it and really understand how it's a modern, modern day tool. What are your thoughts on screen time? So I'm pretty, um, <laughs> like I'm pretty harsh in my, in my, in I, my I, I know you have strong viewpoints. Yeah. Yeah. But I just really want to hear them. I, I, I think, I also think, and I'll put this out there that I really, again, again, we're coming to that trust and letting go. It's also, you know, with that trust is understanding your family needs and um, your family values and purpose. And I think all of those aspects of learning and screen time fits into that as well, too. And, and uh, you know, really understanding that is really at the core. But I, I think it's also important to hear v- different viewpoints to bring that together for yourself as well. And I know you do, and I'd love to hear it. I think it's important to share. So please, yes, well, you have the me, floor. <laughs> well, for me personally, I mean, I'll, I'll say first, you know, how I handled it for my family um, is I really, from the very beginning, made a commitment that I did not want to put any, um, like did not want to spend any money into buying screen types of gadgets. So I was that awful parent who did not buy the Nintendo and the Xbox and the, you know, all of these things that every year there's something new that you just have to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's, you know, great for the marketing business. But for me, I felt that um, real experiences, experiences with the real world, uh, traveling, being outdoors and everything was a lot more important. And to this day, I believe that there is no need whatsoever for any type of screen, probably before 10 or 12 years of age. There is really no need whatsoever. And the argument of, oh, well, you know, we're in a technological society and all this. Well, when the child is 12 and you hand them whatever piece of technology is, you know, uh, is exist in that time frame, they will figure it out. They have it in their DNA to just figure it out. I mean, it's my children who taught me how to use an iPhone because I got an iPhone when my daughter was a teenager and got her first iPhone. So to me, they, they, they've, they're watching us. They know how to use them. I think we are doing young children, especially young children, so children under the age of six, Uh, we're doing a detriment to their developing brain when we hand over our phones or give them an iPad or things like that. I just, I just, to me, there is just so much 
activities and, and practical life and just experiments and everything that they can be doing with their bodies, with their hands, than sitting and swiping and, and being uh, creating an addiction because I really see it in young children and, and we know it today. I mean, research, you know, tells us that this is creating the same effects to the brain as an addiction. And, you know, and, and we're now hearing about, you know, eight-year-olds being treated for iPad addiction. And to me, that is, that's almost criminal. So I'm very adamant about, being vigilant about, you know, being vigilant. So I don't say, you know, if you want to do movie night and you want to sit together and watch something on a screen or go to the movies, that's great. That's an experience and you're, and you're talking about it together and you're questioning it and, and so forth. But feeling that, you know, because everybody has an iPad and they're playing the, you know, latest crazy games that your child has to have it too, I think that, you know, like you said, it's part of your family values. And I know for me, you know, my son, at one point, I remember saying, you know, well, that's unfair. You know, all my friends have uh, this, this and that. And I said, well, you know, it's just that's the values that we have in our family. I would prefer spending money on taking you traveling around the world mm. than, than, you know, spending it on, on gadgets that are, you know, going to be out of style in, in a year's time. And, and it's true, my children, you know, have gone around the globe already. And I think that's that, those are my values. So, um, so I think it's really about, you know, again, asking those questions, getting quiet and seeing what is important to you. Uh, to, you know, do you want your five-year-old to be, you know, super good on an iPad? Or would you rather that he has, you know, uh, full dexterities of all 10 fingers and is able to, to uh, you know, do do very fine motor work than, than the iPad? And, and we're seeing, you know, I, I, I just, I could go on, but it makes me so sad to learn that young children can barely stack blocks, wooden blocks, because they have no strength in their fingers, because all they've been doing is swiping a screen. Mm. Mm. And that to me is very sad. And have you seen that? Have you seen, um, you've got, I, you I've seen, I've seen, I've seen more, I've seen more the, the kind of checking out, uh, and, and I could really see it in the classroom where I knew exactly who had you know, had breakfast in front of a TV, for example, as opposed to the child right. who just had breakfast and came in. Uh, they're 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 checked out, and they're in this fantasy world, and they're talking about all these you know things that you don't know what it is. And so, to me, it's just I, I just I just think we need to be very vigilant. You know, I think there's a reason why the you know, tech people of our world who, you know, are in Silicon Valley uh, creating all of these, they have chosen not to give them to their children. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they know something we don't know, right? <laughs> right. So let's be vigilant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, in, it, I mean, and yeah, this is a whole other topic <laughs> that we could talk about for an hour. And it, it's also interesting because, you know, we were in the beginning. We were talking about how we've seen Montessori in the public school system as well, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know, 
instilling certain values and practices, but then when you have, um, you know, for example, in the public school system, I, I, it's hard because there's also regulations and protocols and checks that schools also have to follow, whether it's certain curriculum and then therefore trying to fit things in. And then like times now, if your child's going to school and then when COVID shut so many things down and depending where you are, some are not even back at school, some schools are still closed, but then everything goes online. And, you know, I know some families who are doing online school uh, through their school, but, you know, the requirement was expect your child to be in front of the screen for six hours a day. And if they're choosing to do online schooling, then, you know, they can't not be there. Um, So it's, you know, it's, it's such a dynamic world, but also the dilemma of, you know, the choices really, I guess that's, you know, and what you're able to adapt for in your home. Yeah. And, and I'm going to sound probably not appeal to many, but I, I find that kind of lazy from the side of the schools. Like I do not believe that that is the only option that we have, especially for our young children, um, to, to, to ask young children to be in front of a screen for five, six hours a day is just, it's unheard of. You know, even an adult being that long in front of a screen, we know he's just, you know, crazy. Uh, so, so why are we asking these, these young children when we know what it does to the brain and, and all of this? And, and I've seen, you know, I've seen, um, uh, how parents are dealing with it where, where, you know, young children are not wanting to be on these Zoom calls or are not wanting. So they're, you know, having to keep them busy with other things and such. And again, here it is, you know, this going back to trusting the child. It's like, well, what is it that is making them uncomfortable? They know that it's not good for them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, how can we respect them? And I think to me, it's it's more about the school's empowering parents of, you know, how they can uh, maybe help their children learn certain things without necessarily having to have the screen. And I know like for some Montessori schools, they, they basically spend time, you know, making manipulatives and and sending, you know, like little care packages into the different homes so Mm -hmm. that you could, you could work with your child. So maybe the parent watches a video on how to give a lesson, but not ask these young children to be in front of screens. So. Mm. Oh, that's a good idea. I haven't heard that much. That's Mm -hmm. actually a very, Mm -hmm. that's an excellent idea. Okay. Mm -hmm. So do you see, so how do you see our future education being impacted and going forward? Do you see positive changes? Do you, you know, what, what does, what do you envision for the future of education, whether we're doing it, practicing it uh, at home or in a school type system or, you know, in a center? Well, I could go. I could go either way. <laughs> I could go. <laughs> it's hard now, dark. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I could go With the everything dark. Happening. <laughs> I could go down the dark route, or I could go the positive route. So I'll choose the positive route. And and what I have really enjoyed in hearing from families during this, um, the confinement and the stay at home for a lot of families, is kind of having more family time having mm. more you know i know i had parents tell me oh it's it's actually been quite nice because we've been having dinner together and we're preparing food together and so forth so this is to me things that should be happening 
every day. But because we were stuck at home, suddenly it became this luxury and we're now enjoying it. So that's, that's kind of the, the positive. And then, and then uh, education wise, I'm seeing a lot more parents reconsidering this whole notion of sending their children to school. So the whole homeschooling, the whole kind of the, the co-ops and all of that, I feel like there's this whole uh, renaissance to, to homeschooling that I actually kind of like and and I find it positive. Um, so that's that's you know where I'm seeing if we can empower parents to to do more of that and but you know it's going to also be reevaluating the need for both parents to work for you know how do single parents handle it yeah. uh, kind of this you know really restructuring our communities around caring for our children, uh, caring for our elders, and so forth. So, you know, I think there's, it's, it's, it's made us all, I think, reevaluate our day-to-day life. It's made us reevaluate our values and, uh, you know, where we're, where we're spending our time, where we're spending our money and such. And I think that's pretty positive if we can if we can really, you know, use it to better ourselves, uh, then, then, then I think it's, it's good. You know, if we're going to go down the road of, you know, everything's on screen, then, then I think we're, we're going down a very, very slippery slope and, and we're going to regret it. Hmm. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. For, you know, <laughs> I, I know you, uh, yeah, I know it's good to, I know you have, um, yeah, I know you have your, your, your viewpoints and, and uh, I, I thought, I think it's important to, to share them and to hear them. So. And, 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 you know, and each, each individual is going to, to uh, react differently. Like I see with my own two children, they're both in universities. Um, my son is really not enjoying the whole online thing. He yeah. really needs community. He needs to see people, be around people physically. My daughter, she's loving it because she's yeah. independent and she's just, she's, you know, she texted me yesterday and said, I'm loving this whole online thing. So <laughs> it's really, you know, it's really, it's, it's different for each. It's how you have, um, kind of self-control, how you're organized and, and, and such. So I think it's really, really important to, to be vigilant and to not put everyone in the same boat and to really, you know, be mindful to make sure to see how everybody's reacting. Mm, yeah, yeah. The power of observation as well, right? Exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And, and sorry, but I did want to, uh, when I said taking care of your elders, I remember in Montessori, there is recently for the past maybe uh, five, eight years, there's actually been a lot of work being done with our elders and using mm-hmm. Montessori to kind of help them regain some independence in our uh, caregiving facilities for for elders. So That's it's excellent. it's really yeah, it's the whole it's the whole life cycle and it's it's quite beautiful. Oh, that is. Yeah. The uh, the other stages, the other peaks that we continue exactly. to go through even after 18. Yeah. Exactly. That is wonderful. I would love to hear more about that. 
Um, I also want to respect your time. I know I, I, you're, you're, we are speaking, I'm in Canada and you're in France, so our hours are a bit yes. different as well. So um, thank you very much for spending the time with me. I, I There's so many avenues and, and paths that we can go down. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank so, you for, for having me and, and thank you for, for having these conversations. I think it's really important for parents to to hear them and to have these conversation among themselves as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we have to have the conversations and, and have a platform for the conversations as well to mm-hmm, at least mm-hmm. get them started. So yeah. um, and speaking of that, I could you share how we can get in touch with you, uh, projects and events that you're currently working on? Because I know you have a wealth of resources, especially for those of us parents that do want to engage more in these conversations and also to have more information on how we can build these tools into our life. Sure. Well, for me, I am. Uh, I have a website called yourparentingmentor.com, and uh, there you can find, you know, uh, information. I have a, a membership. I also do a five-week kind of um, experiential mentoring uh, group that I will probably launch in November called the Parenting School. But in the meantime, I'm actually participating in a Montessori homeschool summit. And uh, the tickets went on sale, I think, this week, but it won't be open until October 5th. And it's a group of actually Montessorians, uh, homeschooling parents who have kind of put together their resources to help parents who want to homeschool and who are interested in Montessori. Uh, My masterclass is specifically on using positive discipline tools in your homeschooling experience. Um, And so I had a fun fun creating that and and I'll share the link with you, but that's something that is happening um, in October. And uh, I think it's going to be a wealth of resources for all the homeschooling families that are interested in, in implementing Montessori in their homes. Yeah, thank you. I, what I'll do is I'll share them in the show notes. So okay, anyone that's listening can just go to the show notes and click on there. I've actually already signed up for the summit. I know when you first oh, told perfect. me about it, I signed up. And yeah, the lineup looks fantastic. So yeah, uh, yeah. 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 And then I'm always on Instagram kind of doing little stories here and there. I've been enjoying being in Paris. So sharing Mm -hmm. that with all of you (laughs) as well. (laughs) But uh, yeah, the website, the website and Instagram and then YouTube, I, I do a lot of little videos on kind of little activities that you can do at home uh, with your children. So, so yeah, I, I just love to share all of that information. Thank you, Jean-Marie. And I will share all those links as well on the, on the show notes too. Perfect. Well, thank you. It's been a delight uh, having oh, this beautiful conversation with you. <laughs> thank you. Have a great evening. Thank you.